We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the NBA front office show. We've got a big, big night tonight in the NBA. Not only is it the start of the Lakers and Nuggets Western Conference Final Series, but also we have the draft lottery. Some teams' future is going to change dramatically when they get that number one overall pick in Victor Wembanyama. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got more going on in the coaching carousel. We've got free agency conversations, all kinds of stuff to get into. We're going to make series predictions as well, the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. Before we get into all of it, though, make sure that you are subscribing right here to the NBA Front Office Show over on YouTube. Uh, try to, to make us not the best-kept secret in NBA media. Subscribe to the channel here as we push towards 25,000 subscribers. Don't forget to turn on those notifications as well. And then, of course, over on Apple Podcasts, follow us there. Give us that five-star rating and review. Keith, I look forward to someday when we can say we are not the best-kept secret anymore. Someday. It'll come someday. I had a uh, email from someone today who he he was inviting me on his show, and I, I do commit pod adultery on occasion um, on you. I, I think you're well aware, um, but it I is... Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? Um, and he said uh, in his email, he goes, man, he goes, you guys are growing so fast. I, I don't think you could be the best kept secret. And I was like, I don't know. People keep calling us that, so we're yep. going to keep running with it. So anything That's less hard. than a billion subscribers were, were too much of a secret that, that's like an eighth of the world right that's not even that big of a share like keith i i think we're the best kept secret until this show just takes over our lives and becomes yeah. like our thing you know what yeah. i mean yeah, like that's, that's until that point until yeah. that point where i'm still doing it from here just so everybody knows i'm not moving oh, into yeah. this fancy studio i'm still still gonna do it from home from the home office with my pullover and my recliner in the background the, the same chair in the in the background yep. and all that yep yep that's, that's right it. never gonna change <laughs> <laughs> all right let's let's start with the shocking news of the day that no one saw coming at all uh doc rivers fired by the Philadelphia 76ers. We all figured he was probably coaching for his job in that series against the Celtics, completely blew it in game six. And then you kind of knew the way it was going to go in game seven once game six played out the way that it did. Uh, Doc, is this... I've seen the sentiment uh, going around social media that Doc Rivers lived off that Celtics championships championship for uh, years and that he is a coach that just doesn't know how to make adjustments. And that's why his teams more often than not have found ways to fumble away series leads and fumble away opportunities to win a series uh, consistently. 
Is there truth to that? Is that just people piling on Doc at this point, somewhere in between? What do you, what do you think? There's truth in that. I don't know if that is the whole truth, right? I, I think there's definitely truth in that. You can't fail as many times in elimination games as Doc's team has. I, I think now it's something like 33 or 34 losses in elimination games that, that he has. Like That's just a lot. Right. And a lot of those came uh, with his team up with a chance to close it out and win the series too. something. Maybe that's the better stat. I think it was something like 17 and 33 in closeout games. Like that's, that's not good. Right. No. So, so that says you can't hold your leads. You can't close them out. Like it's just not good. I think though saying he doesn't make adjustments is going too far. He made adjustments in the Celtics series. He made adjustments to the way they played their offense. He made adjustments to their lineups. He made adjustments within games where he pulled guys out and replaced them with other guys. I think he just ran out of things to adjust to. And it's always easier to blame the coach than it is to blame the players, right? Nobody yes. buy nobody owns a Doc Rivers jersey, right? I mean, maybe like a throwback. The throwback, yeah. One but uh, nobody owns a Doc Rivers 76ers jersey. Let's put it that way. Um, so it really just becomes a situation where it's like, you know, well, I don't want to blame James Harden because that's my guy, right? And I, I'm a big James Harden fan. Well, James Harden no-showed in like five of the seven games in the series, like including the two biggest games he wasn't very good in. Uh, Joel Embiid ran out of steam and was terrible in game seven. So I just, you know, yeah, Doc earns a big share of the blame. And I'm not even saying they shouldn't have fired him, but I think putting it all on him and saying he was living solely off that Celtics title, that's not fair because he also gets his teams to the playoffs every mm -hmm. single year. They're generally really good in the regular seasons. So, you know, I just think it's you know one of those things where, yeah, I mean, there's probably some level of almost Mike Budenholzerness to this where Doc lifts your floor, but he doesn't really do much with your ceiling. And that's kind of where you end up uh, with his teams. Well, I, I mostly agree with that, that Doc right now, because we are so reactionary to everything, is going to get tons of flack, right? I mean, everybody's going to be piling on Doc Rivers right now and putting the blame on him. And clearly, you know, the 76ers firing him, there you know, some of the blame, is, uh, a lot of the blame is obviously falling on Doc Rivers. But when we say that a coach doesn't make adjustments, which is the sentiment that I've seen going around today, um, usually that's not actually what we're saying. When people say this coach doesn't make adjustments, that's not actually what they mean. What they mean is that the adjustments they make don't work. Yeah, and those are two very, right very different things. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, they didn't make the right adjustments. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah, because it's yeah. rare that you see a coach that just flat out does not make any adjustments whatsoever. It's usually just that either the adjustment they made wasn't something that the casual viewer noticed, and sometimes the the small adjustments aren't all that noticeable to the naked eye, um, or they're adjustments that simply didn't work, and so we don't consider them to be adjustments. We always look for successful adjustments, and we can say the doc has struggled doing that. And again, now you've got a common denominator here for how many times they've you know blown a three one series lead and, and things of that nature. So. Uh, we knew he was probably coaching for his job in this series, and that's the way that it ended up. Yeah, did you have something there? I, yeah, I want to talk about an adjustment that he made, right, and then countering that, and then not having anything else to go to. What he went to, uh, one of the big adjustments he went to was uh, Doc went to um, – uh, 
empty corner pick and rolls with Harden and Embiid, where when the Celtics were still playing the small lineup, Rob Williams wasn't in the starting group. They went to the empty corner pick and roll. And basically what happened was when Harden and Embiid ran the action, there was no one but Al Horford to help on it. And it left them kind of in a tricky spot for Mm -hmm. the Celtics to defend those. Joe Missoula puts Rob Williams in. You can't run the empty corner pick and roll because Rob was already leaving P.J. Tucker anyway. So now he's just there. He's even more there. So when you go away from the empty corner pick and roll and you bring P.J. Tucker above the break, well, the Celtics certainly aren't guarding him outside of the corner. They were barely guarding him in the corner as it is. So now what, what happened was he didn't have another thing to go to, but he tried. He went to George Niang instead of P.J. Tucker because George Niang's a better shooter, needs to be guarded above the break. But by that point, the wheels had come off. That's like trying to change the tire while you're still going, you know, 80 miles per hour down the highway. And they're on fire. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you just can't do it. Right. So that's that was the problem. By the time Boston made those adjustments in game six and into game seven, um, Doc just he he had no more cards to play. Right. And he was out of it. And and that's the the tough thing. Now you could say, well, maybe he should have gone to something else. And that's probably true, right? He gave up on Jalen McDaniels uh, basically after game one or two of the series and didn't play him again. And, you know, that was their quote unquote big trade deadline acquisition, right? was Jalen McDaniels. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it just kind of at some point you run out of answers and it's, you know, it's about my favorite thing. I think Seth Partno says this the most is the best adjustment anybody can make is the play better adjustment. Right. And it's like you play better sometimes and then you move on and other times you don't. So, you know, that that's where it is. But again, I'm not doing any of this to defend doc and say he didn't deserve to be fired. He's had multiple years there. They've fallen short of their ultimate goal. They can't get out of the second round of the playoffs and you know, it's time to move along. But that said, if this continues under the next coach, well, now you have bigger questions to ask, right? Because at some point, it's not on the coach. Do you buy that, just to, to shift over to now James Harden, that this is a necessity if the 76ers would like to keep James Harden around? Like that buzz is percolating here, that that James Harden, you are almost guaranteeing that he's gone if Doc stuck around. Yeah, probably. Now, I'm going to say this too. I think he's going to Houston. Like yeah. when that we've started, seen it so much. Yeah, it started around Christmas. And that's like, remember when we started hearing the the Kevin Durant stuff? And it was like, it just mm-hmm. seemed so crazy that like it would like really that's gonna happen. And then it just grew and grew and grew. Same thing with Kyrie and KD. We're going to New York now. In theory, they did go to New York. They just went to Brooklyn and not the Knicks. But like we started hearing that stuff and that wouldn't go away. Just a lot of times when you hear these things, I think they're not going to go away in the sense I'm getting from Houston and talking to some people that are closer to that situation is they're impatient with the rebuild. They don't want to do that anymore. They hired Ime Adoka with the idea of, yeah, he can shepherd along the kids, but let's try to win like sooner rather than later. And let's try to get in this. And I think they're looking at it and saying, Hey, we've got the Denver Nuggets, very good, but not unbeatable. And we've got a seventh seeded Lakers team in the finals. Why not us if we make the right move? So, so I say all this to finally answer your question to say, I think he's going to Houston anyway, but I think this doesn't hurt if your goal is to retain him in uh, Philadelphia. I think, you know, his kind of very like, not even lukewarm, like just like uh, room temperature answer of like Doc and I's relationship is okay. Like 
that to me wasn't like a, I wasn't just like, yeah, we're okay. Like, like it, it wasn't answered that way. It was like, yeah. yeah, we're okay. You know, like that to me was like, all right, well, that's probably it. But I think if you're Philly, like, I don't know that you made it with the idea of we had to do this to resign Harden. I think it was just time to do this, you know, regardless of what was going to happen with Harden or not. So this is you know, before we fully leave the 76ers here to talk about Houston and what, what may happen by the way, Houston, one of several teams that are going to be holding their breath tonight. And then in the draft lottery, which we'll get to in just a bit as well. <laughs> um, the news is that the 76ers, according to Adrian Wojnarowski are going to, going to, Take a look at these candidates for their new head coach. Mike Budenholzer, who we already said maybe has the same issue as Doc in terms of not quite getting you over the top or raising your ceiling far enough. Uh, Sam Cassell, Mike D'Antoni, Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, Monty Williams. Those are the guys that are expected to be among the candidates. Um, what, do you, what do you think about that group? That's an interesting grouping for, for me. Yeah, I think at this point, we just have Woodenholzer, Monty Williams, Nick Nurse, and Doc Rivers all just move over one chair, yeah. right, right. To, to the next team Musical and just chair. call it good, right? So, and, and I, I'm being obviously very facetious because no one has suggested that Doc is, you know, up. And I got to wonder if Doc's done. Like, I wouldn't be shocked wonder, if he's yeah. just done. I mean, he could do TV, uh, could do nothing too. I mean, he still lives here in the Orlando area, fairly close to where I live. And I know he loves his golf. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he could play golf, you know, 300 days a year and uh, maybe do the occasional TV spot and it'd be done. And he was he, a lot of, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, let me, let me ask you this because one of my colleagues at Lakers Nation, Ryan Ward, threw out there in our big group text, um, he said in the in the midst of all these coach firings, he's like, man, why would anybody want to be an NBA head coach? And this was coming <laughs> on the heels of Monty Williams being fired. It's like now you've got a two, maybe three year shelf life and you're gone. Right. I mean, that's that's what we're seeing happen with with a lot of these coaches. You Even you win a championship and it doesn't save Frank Vogel, doesn't save Mike, Mike Budenholzer. Ultimately, they're gone. Uh, same thing with Nick Nurse. Um, uh, do you think like if you're Doc? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it maybe be preferable just to do TV, do a few, you know, go hop on a mic a little bit, and then get to do what you're talking about, just play golf and and not have to deal with the with the stress and travel and all of that that comes with coaching an NBA team. Yeah, I think at his age, sure, it might yeah. be right. He he is, you know, and he's won a title, right? So he doesn't. He, he's still not trying to climb that mountain, right, and get to get to the peak. He's done it once already. He's got a ring. He was a big part of why they won that title. So yeah, I there's definitely truth to that, right? Where you can look at it and say, yeah, I get it. Like I fully understand, you know, why he may you know not want to do this. And and what I was going to finish with is our audience is probably a little too young. Uh, to remember this, but when Doc did games on TV, he was awesome. He was mm-hmm. so good on on there because he really would relate strategy stuff. He'd tell, you know, I think the best guys that they, they know, especially in the games that go kind of sideways and get crappy. And he would tell funny stories from his days, you know, as a player and playing with the uh, with the Hawks, with Dominique Wilkins or with the Knicks teams, uh, you know, got in fights and everything else. Like he had a ton of good stories and, and I can only imagine now some of the stuff he's got from, you know, decades of coaching. So yeah, it's, um, but you know, then there's always the factor of your coach, right? It's what you do. Like, so if if that's what you do, like you're probably going to want to get back in there and coach, but my guess is he 
at a minimum takes the year off, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if he's just done and calls yeah. it a career. I believe Doc Rivers, if I'm remembering correctly, was on the call when Derek Fisher hit the point four shot. Um, Might have been. And he was yeah. and he was screaming into the mic. It was yeah. He he was losing his mind. He was really um, good, man. He was, he was really good. Really good. Yep. He was good. He was really good. good. All right. So Doc is out in Philly. James Harden maybe heading to Houston. Uh, maybe the results of the draft lottery tonight will dictate some of this. I mean, they, they certainly could. You have a big but, new teammate, maybe. Yeah, right. <laughs> but if you're, we talked already about Houston. We talked about James Harden and how he kind of no showed for a couple of games in this series. Yep. I don't think he's not the the MVP level James Harden anymore. Nope. He's not that guy that you can just build this heliocentric offense around and give James Harden the ball and you're going to go win a ton of games and he's going to get an MVP. He's not that guy anymore. So if you're Houston, how far are you willing to go if James Harden signs on? Are you really cashing in all the chips right now? Or how are you approaching this knowing that James is probably not that 1A dominant, I will will my team to a title guy anymore? I would not, but I am also absolutely 100% loath to give up on a rebuild too early. This has only really been two years of this. It feels like it's been longer, but remember year one started with Harden on the roster. Mm -hmm. And that's the team he very famously just quit on. So that was, that season was a mess. Then you did the rebuild the second year and then the rebuild this past year. So you're really only kind of wrapping up, you know, year two of this rebuild now. So I think, I think going all in on bringing James Harden back, this James Harden is not something I would do. I, I would pass on that. I don't want to give him a four-year max contract. I don't think that's going to end well at all. I think it's going to go very, very poorly. One thing to note too here is because some people are like, well, Philly can give him way more money. It really kind of can't because the fifth year he'd be running into the over 38 rule. So mm. it's basically four years with 8% raises against four years with 5% raises. And that's not that big of a difference. You know, it, it'll be you know a lot of money, but for a guy like James Harden, not quite, you know, that level of concern for him, obviously, if he wants to be in Houston, he'll give up the money and go to Houston with no question. So, but I, I would not. If I was the Rockets, I would pass. I'd continue with my kids and keep moving it forward around that group. I just, I also like a lot of their players too. So it's hard for me to say go, because if you do that, probably only two or three of those kids are sticking around too. You're probably putting the rest of them in trade packages with your leftover cap space to go get that second guy to be Harden's running mate, along with whatever leftover kids you have. And that's how you're going to move it forward. And that to me is, boy, that's a real, you know, questionable you know, strategy. I just, I wouldn't, I, you know, run it out with what we got. No, I I'm in agreement with you, but it's doesn't seem like, like if Houston had already made the decision, no, we're not going to do this. We would have heard that we wouldn't be hearing all this hardened to Houston buzz. Yep. Right. Oh, so, I think they're going to do it. Yeah. I, I think they're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. If they hired me tomorrow to be the GM. I'd be like, do I have to sign James Harden? Because if I do, I don't, I mean, I'd still take it. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you're not going to say you won't the take job the job. And, yeah, and then I'd <laughs> trade him when I could. But I, uh, but yeah, it's, um, you know, yeah, it's, but it would be a question I would ask. If I was an experienced GM, I would certainly have asked it even earlier. Yeah. That, but yeah. All right. Well, we'll see ultimately where James Harden winds up. If he does go back to Houston and then uh, again, 
all of this whole conversation could change depending on the results of tonight's draft lottery, yeah. which is what we need to get into next year. Uh, tonight, eight o'clock uh, Eastern time draft lottery is going to take place and somebody's fortunes are going to drastically change. Now I, I went over to Tankathon. I have not done any Lakers <laughs> aren't in this or in the lottery. So I haven't been like frantically trying lottery luck, you know, which I normally would do. Um, I hit it once. Oh my God. <laughs> I just did the same thing. <laughs> okay. It's so, so funny. <laughs> what did, what did you, what did you get? Cause I got a, I got a pretty bizarre result too. If you got the same one I got, I am going to absolutely die. Okay. So, so let, let's, let, let's, uh, the, the base of the tankathon odds are, uh, Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, and Charlotte. Those are the top four. Yep. Uh, going into the lottery, they all have the 14%. One spin, my top four, the four lottery teams, Indiana, number one, Charlotte, Detroit, and Portland. Mm. Okay. So you kicked out Houston. Yep. Houston bumped, bumped down to five. San Antonio bumped down to six. Okay. And, and Detroit dropped to, from one to three. All right. So here's here's what I got. My one spin, Chicago oh. gets the number one pick with a 1.8% chance. Then it Man. goes San Antonio, Charlotte, Portland, Detroit, then Houston. Every All these teams sliding down, and that yep. also meant Dallas gave the 11th pick That's to true. New York. Yeah, yep. That's killer. Yeah, so these are the things to watch for tonight. So let, let, me, let me reset this to the real order. Um so it goes in reverse order, the way they're going to reveal the teams. If you're a Mavericks fan, you are looking to see New Orleans, Toronto, Oklahoma City, Chicago being conveyed to Orlando. Yep. That's the order you want to see. Otherwise, as a Mavs fan, you lose your pick. Your yeah. pick is If, if you see Dallas comes up in, the, in those four, your yep. pick's gone. Yep, that pick is gone, and that goes off to New York. And I think they'll probably have it. Say like it'll show Mavericks or like mm -hmm. going to New York or whatever. Yeah. They're usually pretty good about that stuff. So that's what you want to see. You want to see New Orleans followed by Toronto, followed by Oklahoma City, followed by Chicago, conveying the pick to Orlando. If you're mm -hmm. a Mavs fan, that's the only pick protection that is in play uh, tonight. Everything else is is locked in. There, there were other ones in play, but they, they're they're all now. They were either lottery protected or more. Um, so th those picks are all locked in. So Dallas is the only yeah, one on the board. And then, yeah, and then we get down to them. From there, you're going to get down to it. So how I do it myself is I, of course, right, I have a spreadsheet and I have it in order. And then I take it and I move the teams over from where, like, I have them. I have the actual draft order. Then I have the teams off to the side in the order. This is what you just put on the screen on Tankathon. And then, then we go. So, yeah, yeah. This right, is let's do, uh, let's do one is, more spin, and this will be. This is the. I'll do a live spin. Run right off here. your spin right here. Yep. This All is right. It. Are we ready? I'm ready. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. No! Oh, the Wizards! The Wizards move all the way up and, and, get, the number, and get the number one pick. <laughs> oh my goodness! And Dallas hangs on to their pick, yep. sitting at the ten. Man, Detroit drops four. Detroit, spots. Houston, and San Houston, Antonio. San Antonio all drops Just four misery. spots. Oh, there it is. Man. There's the official front office show spin.
The Washington Wizards, the Washington Wembenyamas. Oh, could you? They would have to rename Keith, the team. This this would mean Wembenyama and Porzingis. Yeah, that can you do that? Can you have two towers, players that baby. size on the floor yeah. together? Is yeah, that allowed? Towers, I love it. Let's go! Wow. Yep. That All right. There it is. That would be crazy. Yeah, it's um, gonna be. This is. Did I? I so irrationally love the draft lottery. It's uh, you know, and the fact that they turn this five minute thing into a thirty minute TV show every mm-hmm. year just cracks me up. But I, I love it so much. They um, could literally I'm just do this. Excited. What we what we just yep yeah they absolutely hit the button could. And yep. There it is. Move That's along. it. Yep. Um, let me ask you this. So, it, it who are the players in the NBA right now? Like, what's the list of players that their team would not trade for uh, Victor Wembanyama for the number one pick? Yeah, it's it it's probably a smaller list than I think a lot of people would want to admit. Right. Um, let's see. So Giannis, Jokic, sure. Embiid, uh, Luca. Luca. Embiid, it's funny. I've seen people be like, dude, would you do it? And I'm like, I did just one MVP. Like Yeah, kind of hard know. to do that. Um, Steph. Sure. Just because the the history there, I think I don't think Boston would trade Tatum for him. Um, nah, now I'm just scanning through rosters. Um, right? I mean, like, um, like if you're New Orleans, Zion could be great, but he's been way too. Like, if you had the opportunity to flop, yeah. yeah, I would switch yeah, Zion out. Right for sure, especially um, when you consider the rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron, right? You're probably not doing that if you're the Lakers, just because because it's LeBron and the history. Uh, KD, history. I would guess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's maybe. Maybe it? I mean, maybe KD. Like yeah. I don't know. Are the Suns yeah. like that? Are they that married to Kevin Durant? I know they gave up a ton to get him, but if that suddenly fell on their on their plate, like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that could be. Um, what about what about uh, SGA? Hmm. That's a tough that's one, tough. huh? Yeah, that's really tough. Uh, that's probably the last player where I've could have a real conversation. Yeah, about it because anybody else, I'm probably yeah. Let's go. Okay, give me the big kid, and we'll try to move it forward. Um, that's from there. crazy. Incredible oh, James value. Wiseman. Right, I wouldn't do James Wiseman either. I'd hang on to him. You'd hang on to James <laughs> Wiseman. <laughs> What? No. <laughs> no. Of course. Not. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking he means someone else. Like there's another. I'm like, and I'm trying. My head is is going and try. I'm trying to think of who it is you're what trying is to say. And I'm like, who does he actually mean right now? I can't no, be right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would not hang on to James Wiseman. I would 100 percent do that. Oh no man. Question. What? Okay. What about like like Evan Mobley? Like another young yeah, player I I would. That's, that's pretty good. I, yeah, I think I have to. Some upside, yeah. This, this kid's just going to be so good, man. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, I, I think I have to. Is Especially any... with, you know, Mobley didn't have a great playoffs. It's very unfair, right? Second year mm-hmm. guy, first time through the playoffs. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to kill him for that, but yeah. Is there any lottery team that you could see? Because you know Trading you could get out. a huge return. Right. I mean, it'd be like trading the 101 in Dynasty right now and trading away mm-hmm. B. John Robinson. You're going to get a ton. Right. Is there any team that's in the lottery right now that you could see saying, yeah, we'll take everything and give you this and give you the, the number one overall pick if you give us everything? 
the the only one I could maybe see if they could land an absolute package, maybe Portland. If they were like, we need everything we can get to rebuild around Dame, mm -hmm. they're the only ones. Um, the only other option I thought of would be maybe Dallas, right? I, I think like all the rest. Dallas's of the pick others, would go to New York, right? Um, oh, like in well, if Dallas, no, Dallas would keep it. They keep it in the top ten. So if they. Oh, won, you're right. You're right. I went the wrong way with it. Yeah. If it goes past ten, it becomes yeah. New York. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I wasn't thinking. Yeah, I, I would. They, they're probably the only ones. You know, I think maybe go that direction. Toronto's kind of win now built as is New Orleans, but not so much so that I think they would keep those guys. So mm -hmm. Portland and Dallas are probably the only two. Chicago would be kind of interesting, but Chicago you could see very much saying let's flip it and just we'll we'll build around one Binyama and Levine as our two pieces moving forward and go. I think the big question you have to answer, and I, I, I sincerely apologize. I can't remember who wrote this article, but somebody wrote like, if you win, you have to be prepared to build a contender within two to three years around mm. one Binyama. Like that's how high this author was on it. And if that is where you're at, then yeah, then you can't, right. Everybody should keep it and just say, all right, we'll build a winner around him and whoever our next best player is. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's if you could pick any of these teams out of just the, the kindness of your heart and say this team gets him, who are you hoping to see get number one? Or maybe not even hope because I know we're you know we're gonna stay unbiased here, but who do you think who would you pick to get the number one if you could just gift it to any team? 
Yeah, I I think San Antonio, they I like their young players, but they don't have a star in that group. And I think this kid's going to be great. So, you know, Victor Wembanyama, given to the Spurs, and kind of let's let's go forward with with that. So that's probably where I'm at. Uh, there, I think they're they're the team. the The team that I kind of think would be really cool if we went to Indiana. That was like, that's now, my pick. Yeah, you got him and that's Tyrese Halliburton. Like, yep. let's go. Like, I'm a hundred percent in on that. Like, pairing for the next you know decade or so. Um, in that range. So, yeah, and then of course, like, I don't hate the idea of him going. You know, if they jumped up like Dallas, because him and Luca long term, like. You know, now, now you've you know you've really got something there. You've got the you know buildings of a dynasty. It's funny because the other question then that gets asked is where do you not want him to go? Yeah. I just kind of feel like Charlotte just they, they just don't feel like it'll work out the way anybody wants. But anybody else on the list, I'm good. Like, you know, but it even Charlotte, you know, all right, maybe it's him and little mellow ball are enough to really save that franchise and keep you know, finally get them moving in a you know great direction. That's an interesting pairing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Really ball and, and I mean, that, that, that could be good. So, mm-hmm. um, so two of my, two of my best friends are one of them is a Pistons fan and one of them is a Spurs fan. So mm-hmm. both of them were on this text thread and both of them are, you know, on pins and needles today. Um, we'll see if one of them gets, gets the number one pick and can claim victory over the other, or if, it, or if Indiana is going to come in and shock the world or like Washington as they did in, in this one. Um, so we'll I'm going to leave you there. with one thing before we leave the lottery topic. <clears throat> Once upon a time, the Orlando magic at the number one pick and drafted Shaquille O'Neal. And that mm-hmm. became a pretty good team quicker than anybody expected. And then the very next year, the basketball gods rewarded them with the number one pick again. And they took Chris Weber, ultimately traded him for Penny Hardaway. Like, imagine if that happened again. And they ended up with with Paolo Bancaro and Victor Wembanyama and back to back years. Ooh, that would boy. be crazy. Selfishly, be crazy. They, yeah, I probably I switch all my allegiance to covering the Magic beat at that point. As the lottery process finishes, Keith is submitting his his uh, press request for uh, pretty much. For, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, requesting his credential from yeah. uh, from Orlando. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's um, let's get into our series picks here. Yeah. So we've got. Let's start with the East. Uh, you've got the Celtics and the Miami Heat. Uh, the Celtics, based on Las Vegas, I don't even have the numbers in front of me, but very, very, very heavy favorites to to win this series. Um, what what do you see? I'm assuming you're picking the Celtics to win it. What do you have in terms of how many games? Yeah, the big series preview just went up on Celtics blog, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time here going super deep into it, but I picked uh, Celtics in seven. I wanted to pick Celtics in five. It feels like the right pick is Celtics in six, but because of the Celtics and heat of it all, I'm picking Celtics in seven. They're going to throw away a game that they shouldn't lose. They're going to lose another game where they probably don't play with the right kind of effort. That absolutely destroys you against Miami. Um, Eric Spolster, Joe Missoula might be the single biggest mismatch in all of the playoffs that we've seen yet. Um, But I just think Boston has too much talent. I think when you start putting the rosters side by side, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are going to be pretty high on the, the list of overall players as you rank them. But then in the next, you know, it might be the next eight out of 10 are Celtics. 
Like that you maybe not. It might be next seven out of ten. But you're gonna pick a lot of Celtics before you get to another Heat player. Um, Tyler Hero doesn't look like he's gonna be back. Um, we'll see. You know that you know, but for now it doesn't look like he'll play. I think the Celtics refound their defensive identity with Rob Williams starting again. So I'm going with Celtics in seven, even if I, I wanted to pick it shorter. I just I I don't know. I just don't trust that that they'll do that. Yeah, I'm I will, and I, I'm totally with you. I am what I am as nervous as it gets. I never want to pick like the Lakers are going to win in four or something like this. I feel like that's going to just tempt the basketball gods. I'm talking about even, even back when, you know, when they're playing an opponent that they definitely should beat um, years ago. I, I, I just don't feel good about doing that. But given that I'm not in that situation for, for this <laughs> series, I am going to say Celtics in five. I'm going to give Jimmy Butler the respect that they're going to get one. But then again, I've also been predicting the downfall of Miami for the last three series. <laughs> and here they still are. I keep saying their shooting is going to fall off. Their shooting did start to fall off and they still managed to win games. Um, I thought the Knicks were going to beat them. I certainly thought the Bucks were going to beat them. So credit to Miami, but I just, I think the luck's going to run out here. And, uh, and again, I've got Celtics in five uh, for this one. Uh, moving over to the West. Denver and the Lakers, uh, Lakers nation staff member, Ron Gutterman, who I'm now calling Denver Ron, uh, actually picked the nuggets to win the series. And he is catching appropriately all kinds of shade, uh, for, for doing so. <laughs> but what do you think kid? You, you can, can, uh, pick this as a, uh, an impartial somewhat coming from the Celtic side, third, third party. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows going into Every year, as long as they're tied in titles, I want it to be Celtics Lakers because I think there'd not be nothing better than the two of them going head to head to break the tie in the number mm -hmm. of titles. Um, so my heart says to pick the Lakers to, to win because I'd like to see them get there and that be the outcome uh, there and uh, kind of go that way. My head just says, I, I keep much like you in the heat. I keep waiting for the Lakers to just kind of run out of steam. Yeah, a little bit. And I think Denver is going to be really, really tough. I think this series, no matter who wins, I don't know. It's going to be the most entertaining series in the world. I think we might see some blowouts because the Lakers tend to, when they don't have it, they tend to say, forget it. I'm out. Right. Like they, I know they have comeback wins. Everybody has comeback wins, but they're pretty good about knowing when they don't have it and saying, we're, we're, we're not going to invest the energy. Le LeBron, the, especially. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah LeBron, I mean, and after 20 years, they think he knows. Right. So I think it is, I'm at a point now where I look at this and I really feel like, all right, you know, Denver's got the home court advantage. I think that's lessened some because the first couple games, I would assume the Lakers have been there early enough to get, you know, acclimated and feel good and ready to go. Um, I think game one's hugely important. I'm going to go as far as to say if the Lakers don't win game one, I don't think they have a chance to win the series. I think it's over. Hmm. I, I think they will lose the series. Over in game, game one. I just, I think, I think they have to get ahead. They're the most rested they're going to be right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and I just think, I just think they got to get ahead and play the series from ahead. Even if the Nuggets come back and win game two, you're still ahead because you took, you took home court advantage. So yeah. that's probably going a little bit too far, but that's kind of where I'm at. So I'm going to pick reluctantly. I'm going to pick Nuggets in, I'm going to pick Nuggets in seven, mm -hmm. but I think there's a part of me in my heart that says it'll be Lakers in six. I don't know that they can go win a game seven 
in Denver. Denver is one of the true home court advantages in the league. I think you add that all up. If it goes seven, I don't know they're, they're going to have enough left in the tank. And obviously, you need AD probably to be the best player on the floor in the series. Yeah, it can't. You know, he's got to be that dominant to to win. And and he may be that. And I just feel like you know, you, again, you start putting the roster side by side. There's a lot of nuggets I'm going to pick before I get to the next you know Laker after AD and LeBron. Well, and that's where I've I've been saying the key to the series is that Anthony Davis has to negate Jokic. He has to provide yeah. at least as much. He has to at least be the equal to Jokic. And then from there, you can get into hopefully LeBron hits a, a high enough level to where LeBron plus if you can get Austin Reeves, you know, it's somebody different each game for the sure. Lakers. You know, D'Angelo yeah. Russell, Rudy Hutchinson, whoever it is, uh, Dennis Schroeder, right? Um, if you can get enough of those guys to where you can win that battle against Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon and KCP and, you know, on and on and on Michael Porter jr. Right. Um, so that's going to be the key is can Anthony Davis negate the production of Nikola Jokic, which is of course easier said than done, but uh, I'm going to go Lakers in six. Um, of course I'm biased in that. No question, but I'm looking at this thinking, there's a lot of ways that Denver can hurt the Lakers. They're a tremendous three-point shooting team. They have three guys who shoot 40% or better from three just in their starting lineup. If you make any kind of mistake, they just they destroy you. Um, so it's it's not going to be easy at all. But Denver is also the worst of the remaining teams at protecting the rim, and the Lakers are the best at getting to the rim. So I just think ultimately that may matter. I also think this is a series where if either team can put the other teams big, it was Anthony Davis or Nikola Jokic in foul trouble. That game's over. Um, as soon as that happens, that's probably like they can't go. I mean, you couldn't if if AD plays five less minutes because he's in foul trouble, or Jokic plays five less minutes because he's in foul trouble. You, that could be enough to to cost you the game in the in the series. Yep. So we'll see what ultimately happens. But I'll go I'll go Lakers in six here. I'm gonna say on that foul trouble piece too. AD and Jokic both have to avoid the stupid, unnecessary fouls. Yes. They both tend to pick up those fouls where they feel like they got fouled and the other team rebounds, and then they just hack the guy just out of complete out of frustration. They're going to pick up enough normal fouls just through the course of this series. Um, the key guys for each side that I'm going to say outside of the stars, I'm going to say it's Dennis Schroeder for the Lakers. They need mm -hmm. him not only offensively to be give them something, but defensively, he needs to be the guy on Jamal Murray. I think he's going to have to be the one who's going to have to really work against Jamal Murray. I um, mean, I think he's probably their best matchup for him, much like he turned into their best matchup for Curry. I also think on the Nuggets side, it's Michael Porter Jr. He has to be able to use his size advantage against whoever the Lakers put on him to go. I'm very, very curious. I think it's a bad idea but I'm afraid the Lakers are going to try to go Jared Vanderbilt on Jokic to let Davis roam. And I just don't mm. think that's, I, I, I don't think it's worth it. I think you're going to lose too much there. No. I think you just got to let those two play each other straight up and, and live with whatever the result is. You need a DeLorean and you need to go get back 2020 <laughs> Dwight Howard. I mean, right. cause the, yeah. Vanderbilt's not big enough. When Gabriel's yeah. not big enough. Yeah. He's just gonna hurt and he's not gonna do it anyway. Yeah, he's gonna take those guys in inside and score over them every time. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, too. If I'm Anthony Davis, probably playing off him. If I lose the series because Nikola Jokic makes five three pointers a game, all right, 
Like, it's not that he can't shoot, but he doesn't shoot that many. He doesn't want to shoot that many yeah. either. So if you if that's how you go down, I kind of tip my cap and I move along and you know go go to it. But yeah, this is a this is kind of to me this is the ultimate litmus test of AD at the five, right? Like everything's yeah. been building towards. They've been fine to this point, you know, perfectly fine with AD at the five. And now, you know, this isn't Xavier Tillman or with all due respect, uh, Kevon Looney, right? right. There, there, there's no more hiding spot. Not at the Davis hides more, no more no. floating spot. Let me call it that. And that's, no and that's floating. where he's at his best is when he yeah, can float 100%. and just be a destroyer yeah. of worlds yep. on everybody. Yep. It's the same thing defensively is what Rob Williams brings to the Celtics, right? Mm -hmm. When he can start at the five and then just float and just like you said, just destroy every action you get going to the rim. Yeah, that's where it is. So, you know, that's uh yeah, man, it's uh it, it's gonna be fascinating. I cannot wait. You know, I'm beyond thrilled that the games are tipping at 8 30 Eastern. Like I'm so excited for that. Um, I know that probably sucks for a ton of people. I am, on the I am West less Coast, than thrilled. But, <laughs> yeah, right. But I am uh, I am super psyched about that one. So I am uh you know, we're you know, really excited. But yeah, man, draft lottery and game one of a conference finals. Mm. Let's go. Doesn't get much better than that for another That's right. That's right. All right, everybody. We'll wrap things up there again. Make sure you do subscribe right here to the NBA front office show over on YouTube. And don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Till next time, stay safe and see you.